Bienvenidos a nuestro tercer episodio Testimonios a Resiliencia. My name is Rosario Domínguez. Y yo soy Nancy Domínguez Pratt. Uh, today, in today's episode, we will be talking about the experiences of a first-generation college student who moved across the country and uh, to complete graduate school. Our guest will share her experiences on, on how she balanced being away, but also caring for her family, and why it is important to sometimes put yourself first too, uh, even if you do care for your family, making sure that you're taking care of yourself and making decisions that prioritize your mental health as well. Yes, so our guest today is Susana Castro. Hola, uh, Susana. Hi, Susana. <laughs> Hola, gracias por tenerme aquí. <laughs> So a little bit about Susana. Uh, Susana Castro identifies as a first-generation Mexican immigrant woman. Susana is a sustainable community schools coordinator at Metropolitan Family Services, currently working with the Stevenson School community in the southwest side of Chicago. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, she, attended, <laughs> she attended DePaul University to obtain her BA and received her master's from the University of California at Berkeley from the School of Education oh, in 2018. <laughs> in 2018. Uh, Susana is passionate about racial justice and racial healing and is always bringing hard conversations to the table. So to start off this conversation, first I do want to mention Susana actually came to the U.S. when she was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So Susana, can you tell us a little bit about that experience about of immigrating from Mexico to the U.S. as a child? And uh, how did this experience impact you both culturally but also educationally? Oh, well, that's a heavy question. Can we start? Well, you know, when you ask about my experience migrating here, I feel like it started since I was really born, right? Like my dad came here when he was 15. And after he obtained his residency for La Amnistia del 86, he was able to visit us a little more often. Uh, but I basically grew up without seeing my dad. Like he was almost like my, um, Santa Claus, I would come every year, right? So, but no, I know he was providing for us here. Uh, when people would often see my mom by herself and having kids, they were like, where is your daddy? Yo, pues, está trabajando en el norte. <laughs> like, and you feel some type of pride, right? Someone is so far away sacrificing for you. So I feel like this is really the experience that unites us mostly as immigrants, having family so far away, but knowing that they, that they still love you and care for you and they making this sacrifice for you. So after, you know, he was in the United States uh, for 15 years, he was able to apply for his citizenship. So he memorized all the questions because he doesn't know any English. Um, and he passed, he passed a test. The day off he passed, he was able to do like todo el papeleo para nosotros. And a year after we were in Ciudad Juarez crossing the border. So this was in March of 2005. So I was 11 years old. And this is where I think it starts my journey, you know, educationally and culturally. So it affected me in so many ways. I was one of the best students in my class when I was in Mexico. I was receiving, you know, perfect scores. Estaba en el cuadro de honor. And when I came here, I received straight Fs for almost a whole year. So I, I cried a lot. I felt worthless. I felt that, you know, students, you know, would laugh at me. Uh, they would talk to me con señas, even cuando, you know, I already knew some English. Like, they treat you like you're dumb in so many ways. Uh, they would make fun of my clothes, uh, my shoes. They would make fun of, uh, you know, La Tienda, La Kemar. That's where my dad bought, uh, bought everything for us. Um, they would make fun of my clothes. So it was a big change, you know, having straight days in Mexico and coming here to 
being uh, treated treated like that. So it was tough. I think it took me uh, from two to three years, or más o menos, aprender inglés to start receiving a straight A's again. <laughs> and I mean, what else is expected, right? Coming from immigrant families, you just have to have a straight A's because you have no excuse. We did all the sacrifice for you. Um, and they they don't accept any anything less. Uh, culturally, I would say I wasn't super aware when I was 11 years old. I mean, I am now, right? But when you're 11, you're a child. Um, I lived in mostly in the predominantly Mexican Latinx neighborhood coming here in the United States. So the main difference was living from a small town and coming into an urban setting. That was definitely a big change. Uh, but I can definitely share that what was so weird uh, is to be racialized here. And it happened the moment that I stepped in in the United States. I was asked, what was my race? <laughs> and I even, I think I chose white, uh, which, you know, we, there's a lot of Mexicans who are white and we have to talk about these complexities. Uh, but maybe we can talk about that a little later. <laughs> um. No, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know that um, your parents, when, when you were growing up, they were pretty they were pretty strict. You were really dedicated to school. And then su niña decidió irse a la universidad. No, like you left you left uh, to complete undergrad. You left, you moved out and also for graduate school. Can you share a little bit about your parents' um, reactions to the, those decisions that you made and sort of how they impacted your way of thinking um, moving forward? <laughs> Sure. So overall, I would say they were very supportive because it was education, right? <laughs> That's the only acceptable justification to leave home. Uh, so I feel like it's it's a story of our lives. Like we leave our hometown uh, to pursue a better future. So they took it easy, right? They were still like, oh, like, why are you leaving? There's colleges here. But when I, when I explained, you know, I, I was having like a really good scholarship. This is one of the really good like liberal colleges in the Midwest. So like, oh, this is good for you and you know what is best for you. Uh, however, it wasn't as easy uh, because I went to a very interesting university. Uh, the setting was completely, completely different from what I knew. My first time interacting with whites um, everywhere, you know, they were everywhere. The experience was very lonely for me. Uh, there were only less than 10% students of color um, in the university. So I was always the only uh, student of color in the classroom. Uh, so that brought a lot of loneliness. However, at the same time, just being away and for the first time having autonomy of my life, it helped me to become just more independent, more determined. And when you, you know, when you're given the chance to really explore who you are without having a limitation, sin que, a ver que diga, a ver que dice mi mamá, que va a decir mi mamá, que va a decir mi tía, que van a decir de mí, like you, it's really, really liberating. So I definitely appreciated uh, having to, the privilege to have that experience, right? Because I think it, it does come with, with some privilege. You're able to leave and not help financially at home, um, which, you know, I, I had the opportunity to do and, and I definitely uh, appreciate it. Um, so obviously your undergrad was in Indiana, so you were not too far from home. You probably came home often, um, not every weekend maybe, maybe at first, yes, because that's kind of the experience of everyone. But then for your grad school, you went all the way to the West Coast, to Berkeley. <laughs> um, so when you decided and said, I'm going to California, um, what was your parents' reaction? Were, there, were they still supportive? And when you were there... Um, how did you stay present in Family Matters 
while you were so far away? So, well, I have to say that before leaving to Berkeley, I had left to Ecuador for six months <laughs> right after graduation. So this wasn't the farthest, you know, that I've been from my family. Um, leaving to Berkeley was just a four hour plane <laughs> and I was able to manage to, you know, to save enough to visit them at least um, like once every two weeks or so. But Berkeley, you know, as someone who didn't know about college until I heard about it my senior year, uh, the same thing happened when I was in, in like finishing my, my bachelor's, I didn't know about graduate school. Uh, when I came back from Ecuador, I started looking for jobs. I couldn't find any in my field. So I studied education, but it's not to become a teacher. It's a field that questions our schooling system, the way that it continues to reproduce systems of, of oppression, basically. So this is not common. <laughs> you don't usually find jobs in education that specifically, you know, that, that uh, have this content. So I went back to my advisor and I asked her, what is this for? <laughs> so she, she basically said that that kind of uh, field prepared me for graduate school. Uh, so I started, you know, what is graduate school? Where is this program? And I, I still could not find any. And she's like, well, it's Berkeley. And I was like, what is Berkeley? Like, I never heard about Berkeley. And that's when I found out. Um, so it was, it was actually the only school, like the, the kind that the offers this kind of program. I went to graduate school to do like cultural, social and cultural um, studies in education. Um, so it's the only school that I, that I applied to um, and I got in. So leaving to California, one of the top universities uh, was not very hard. <laughs> it was not very hard after, you know, everything that I, that I went through. So how did you uh, stay present for family matters? You know, we as like Latinos, we grew up always having to, or we feel this pressure to always be there for family, which is good. Uh, but even while being thousands of miles away, like we're expected to to be there, to be the problem solver if you're one of the oldest in the family. Um, you know, you get phone calls from parents while you're trying to navigate grad school. Um, so how did you navigate that? How did you, did you try to stay present with family matters? And if you did, like, how did you navigate that? It was, it was definitely hard. I mean, like I said, I, I would visit them um, every two months or so. Um, but I would be constantly calling them. My mom always, you know, good night every single day. Um, as far as, you know, like family concerns. So when I was, my first year at Berkeley uh, was when one of my uncles passed away in Mexico and I needed to be supportive, right? But it's like, how can I be supportive? So when my grandma passed away when I was in college, um, I could not go to Mexico because I had to stay here with my siblings because my mom was leaving. And I had to go to Chicago and be with my siblings and be the older sibling, right? Taking the role of my mom. Uh, but when my uncle passed away, I was in California. So it was like, where do I go? Where am I needed? So I left to Mexico. After I found out that day, the day off, I bought my ticket and I had to be there for my mom. And then my sister, who's 22 now, was the one that took care of my siblings here in Chicago. So to your question, you just have to, you know, whenever there's an urgency, you know, you know, when they tell you, I miss you and you're supposed to be here, like, okay, you tell me this every day. But when you have cases where, you know, something happens, such as the, the, the you know, my ankle passing away, it has been like the only time that someone close to my family has passed away. Uh, so it was definitely urgent uh, for me leaving somewhere, Chicago or Mexico, but I had to go somewhere. So without a doubt, I left to Mexico and I was there. Um, for almost a week 
um, supporting my mom and, and, you know, my family in, in other ways. And as far as, you know, the, the two years that I was there, my main concern has been supporting my siblings. Um, so I'm there for their academics. I'm there when they need to talk about something. I'm there to expose them to everything that is going on in the world. Um, especially with my brother, I want him to uh, grow up being conscious about uh, the experiences of women, the experiences of the LGBT community. I want him to be an example, you know, for many men that did not have uh, a role model in our families. I feel like, you know, machismo and racismo and everything that is going in our communities. I feel like we have to change that. And it is, I have made a decision that it is in my generation to change that. So that's how I support my family. <laughs> but to follow a follow-up question with that you being at Berkeley, um, how was it for you to be, you know, you were from Chicago, from the Midwest, you were at a top university. What was it like for you to, to be in a place like Berkeley? So graduate school, not sure if it's completely different from undergrad when you're at Berkeley, uh, but my program was very small. It was only like 10 people, only three people, my cohort were, were um, accepted. So of all these people, all of them were students of color. My professors were professors of color and it was the most amazing thing. Like when I was at DePaul, only my Spanish professor was, you know, someone that I can talk to in Spanish. And at Berkeley, my advisor, she was like my second mom. <laughs> you know, we, we traveled together. She invited us over for dinner. We would joke in Spanish. Like it was such an amazing experience having someone that could relate to you that way. So I wouldn't say that, oh, having, uh, well, well, to your point, being from the Midwest where I went to college to a predominantly white university, a lot of racism going on around the university, being afraid to even leave the university. Like I was afraid to go to the Walmart in the little town without having like a white body with me. Um, so from being from the Midwest, going to Berkeley to that type of setting was um, almost heaven. <laughs> I would say it felt so great. Uh, you know, usually when you think about like graduate school, it's like, oh my God, it's so hard and everything that we have to do. But with that type of environment that is so supportive and so relatable, and there for you, um, it doesn't feel like that. It feels, it just feels like this is this is made for me. And it's amazing to feel that belonging in education. Um, and then to follow up on that, when you did leave um, Berkeley, you graduated, congratulations. Um, did you decided to come back to Chicago, right? To be with, uh, to be with your family. Was that your first choice? Or can you tell us a little bit about um, why you moved back to Chicago? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so after Berkeley, you know, in graduate school, I was like, I need another break. <laughs> so actually, I, well, my intention was to pursue my PhD, either at Berkeley or in La Unam. Um, so after graduation, I left to Mexico City for like six months. And I was like, I'm going to learn about the program, like I'm going to do my PhD here. Um, as you know, uh, racial issues in Mexico are not new, but given uh, the current issues in the United States, it has reached the discourse of race in Mexico. So for the first time, we're talking about blanquitud, the negritud, and these terms were not as common, uh, but I feel like the urgency of talking about it in the United States and you know, also acknowledging the influence of the United States all over Latin America, uh, it has definitely pushed academia in Mexico to talk about these issues, uh, to start defining and conceptualizing whiteness and blackness in Mexico. So to me, it was such a great opportunity to be like, oh my God, I'm gonna do my PhD here, 
However, you know, when I was there, it was just very difficult. Um, I have my passport, you know, like being born in Mexico, but it's expired. So I only use my US passport. Um, and I would be considered like international student. And the process was completely different. The funding was completely different. So it just made it very difficult. And also given, you know, that what was going on at home here in Chicago, um, I just needed to, to be back. My family had different plans, even, you know, for me, they, uh, my dad wants to retire actually this year. And I just felt that I needed to be here for my siblings. Um, and he was counting on me, you know, to do that. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there, I guess. It's just, you know, the family really makes decisions knowing that you're going to be there. And sometimes it's difficult to, to be supportive because you have your own life and you have your own dreams, and, but you always have to be there as well. So um, obviously, like, I think from even our experience, like our family is okay with us leaving uh, because we're pursuing educational opportunities and stuff, but there's always that expectation to come back home and to help whatever, whenever it's needed in, in whatever way possible. Um, and for you, like you made a, like the decision to come back home because you felt like your family needed you here. Um, so how tough is it to to make those decisions? Like um, you let go of or you put on hold some dreams because you feel like it's needed now. How did you feel about that? Are you OK with that? Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? So it was a hard uh, decision to take, but also I feel like the circumstances of pursuing a PhD at that time were also difficult for me. Uh, so I just decided, you know, I've been away for so long from, you know, being away from home. So it's just time that I see my siblings grow. <laughs> I miss them a lot. Like it's just, I want to see them grow. I want them to be really, you know, a great people. I want them to be conscious. And I just, I just felt that I needed to be here. Uh, however, being here, uh, I'm not living with my parents anymore. I live with, um, you know, by myself. And this is a journey. I feel like living with myself in the North side when my family's in the South side was the hardest decision. Like even, you know, living to Ecuador, living to Berkeley, I always had the justification that it's education, right? But now that I live by myself, that I choose to not live with them. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest decision. Uh, my parents remind me every time when I visit them, oh, you should be helping us instead of paying rent somewhere else, right? Like every time I visit them, that's that's what they told me. Uh, so I don't think they understand it ever, um, but I have come to terms with it. It's okay that they don't understand my decisions. Um, I have to prioritize my peace. I have to prioritize my mental health. And I have the privilege to do that and the opportunity to do that. That's what... I'm gonna do. So it sounds like you've definitely followed the, you know, like La Familia Siempre es Primero, putting your family first, but you also have balanced putting yourself first. So how do you think, or how do you balance trying to be a support system for your family um, while, you know, following the La Familia Primero, but also putting yourself uh, first? Or what, how do you balance what, what goes first or what's more priority? Well, I feel like now living like here in Chicago, um, you know, with them, but apart, it's really the perfect balance because uh, I can go home whenever they need me. Um, I can be there. Like, for example, when my brother had to go through the whole process of applying to high school, I went through, through all the process with him. I mean, I think I filled out the application for him. 
Um, we went to visit high schools. Um, even now, like I'm the one that goes to teacher conferences. I'm the one that it's there, you know, for his education. I'm looking for summer programs for him. So that's my way of being there. Um, and I can only do that if I'm here in Chicago. Uh, however, living by myself, I can, you know, take a weekend off and not visit my family. And, and just to say, I'm, I'm doing me this weekend. I, I'm taking a walk by the lake. I'm going to visit uh, a Garfield Conservatory Park. I'm having dinner by myself. I really enjoy cooking for myself. Um, so that's how I think I have found balance and peace, just to being here, but also being there for me. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, professionally now? I know that you that your undergrad and your um, master's in education. Mm -hmm. What what are you? How are you practicing it now? Yeah. So this opportunity, it was really like so hard to believe because, as I said, my field it's not as common. Like I feel there's a lot of jobs um, about this in California, but not really in the Midwest. So when I came here, it was like, where do I find something that I do? Like, I just didn't want to do um, something simple. Like, I wanted to make sure that what I studied was paid off, right? Like, this is what I studied, this is what I want to do. Um, so it took me a while to find a job. I would say months, like six or eight months. Um, but then I've heard about sustainable community schools. And it is an initiative uh, within CPS. Uh, only 20 CPS schools have this grant. And the grant, it's more than a grant. It's really a movement. It's really envisioning uh, racial justice within schools. It's really making sure that uh, generational knowledge is implemented in schools. It's making sure that the school has all the resources uh, that they need in order to succeed. Um, it's also very aware of the current issues that are going on and it's committed to justice. And I don't mean justice like in a, you know, simple and um, commodified way. It's really, really, really transformational, uh, transformational change. So I found out about sustainable community schools, but I did not know that it was Stevenson. And well, I went to the interview, right? And they were like, oh yeah, we've had this opportunity for, for this grant um, at, at the, uh, uh, in the school in the South Side. And then I was like, oh, I'm from the South Side. Like, I mean, depends where, right? It's so, so, South Side can be uh, so many different areas. But then they said, oh, the school, it's Stevenson. So I graduated from Stevenson. So when they told me that, it was just like, what? <laughs> like, my siblings are there. My mom is a parent mentor there. I graduated from there. I live, well, my parents live blocks away from there. Um, so it was just, um, como es el anillo al dedo. Like, o sea, tenía que pasar en las circunstancias. El universo, no sé, funcionó de una manera que tenía que pasar el momento que tenía que pasar. Um, so after, you know, uh, after that, I definitely accepted the position, they offered me the position, and that is what I do. I, I serve at the elementary school that I, that I attended, and I cannot be happier. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and the last question or two, and we wanted to see, like, or know what are your plans for the future, and also if you can provide people who might be in similar situations as you, like first-generation college students with consejitos, um, you know, moving forward with their decisions to like move away from home or like mm -hmm. do things that might that might not be expected from them culturally, right? Yeah, because there's always that struggle of, should I leave home, should I not? Especially when you're one of the oldest. 
Yeah. Um, she, like if they, if your parents, a lot of times in Mexican households, parents depend on the oldest child. Yeah. Uh, to take care of them or translate, translate, or even for moral support. Like yeah. they look for. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like. Well, I guess you can answer first. What are your plans for the future, and and then like your advice for other students that might be in your place? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like plans for the future. I mean, we can plan, right? But then things happen, and they just don't happen. But <laughs> as far as plans, I've always dreamed, and my 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 whole family are like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> so I always dreamed of having a farm in Mexico. Not like a farm, but like animals. I just like like planting everything. So this is a very far future. <laughs> this is when I'm like 60, 70 years old. I want to have um, like un, un terreno en México donde, donde, siembre, donde siembre café, donde siembre eh, plátano, donde siembre um, papaya, corn. Uh, so that, that's my plan for me in the future. <laughs> as far as plans, you don't know, we can say for 10 years from now, um, I think uh, I'll stay here. Uh, I feel like I have to stay here since my dad is, is already retired and I feel like they they just need a break. Uh, they've been working for for so long and it's time for them to rest, right? It's it's they have this papeles papeles es todo lo que necesitan. Si no, if you don't succeed, that's not my fault anymore. <laughs> that's what he says. So I I understand their sacrifice and I um, it is a burden also, you know, responsibility of an immigrant to, to give back to your parents, to make sure that your parents are okay. And I feel that I'm in a position where I can do that and also be happy with that. So um, that's the plan to stay here for at least five to 10 years, supporting my siblings. They are going to stay here. Actually, my parents are definitely leaving next year to Mexico. We have like our house there, our family, all of our families there. So they're leaving and yeah, my, my, my younger siblings, well, my older, my older sibling as well, they're, all of us are staying here. Um, and I will be the one, you know, taking the lead and taking care of everyone, having the distance, you know, that is healthy for us to have. Uh, so that's the, that's a plan. And I feel like it's, it takes a lot of uh, courage um, and it takes a lot of, well, I would say more than courage, it's also the, the opportunity to be able to, to, be away from family like i said like it's just very difficult uh you know for, for people to do this because there's a financial dependency and you cannot do that like it's just not even an option it's not that you're courageous enough it just you can't do it um but i was able to do it and so i was having the, i was having the opportunity uh so i would say if you do have the opportunity please take time for yourself be by yourself uh, do things by yourself, have lunch by yourself, go to a restaurant by yourself. Um, it is just, you know, us coming from, from societies and from cultures that are so heavy in the way that like we molded. Um, it's definitely worth it to, to just be yourself, explore yourself, know what is it that you really want, uh, where nobody's there to watch. So that's my consejito, just do it. If you have the opportunity, do it. That's beautiful because you don't really listen, you know, you don't really hear that, right? And it's like we were talking about before we interviewed how when we both left, we were excited to leave like we needed the break, but at the same time had feelings of guilt, right? Like we were leaving my mom, who's a single mom, mm -hmm. um, sort of by herself, and then coming back, how hard that transition was for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, but we definitely don't regret 
leaving either, you know, because yeah. it definitely shaped who we are today. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for those consejitos. I'm sure that a lot of first generation college students that are listening to this will benefit from this mm -hmm. because these are hard topics, right, to talk about yeah. um, navigating, loving your family, being there for them, but also loving yourself and making time for you. And and I'm really proud of you for making that decision to like move move out, even though you're here. Um, and finding that balance to make sure you're taking care of you while also being present for, you know, your siblings who do need you and your parents who, who need you as well. Yeah. So. Thank you so much, Susana, for giving us your time. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for having here and having me here. And it's, it's a journey and we, we're still learning from it. <laughs> Gracias a todos por escuchar nuestro podcast. Nuestro tercer episodio. Remember to follow us on social media as Watchame Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify. Muchas gracias. Nos vemos. Hasta Adiós. Luego. Hasta luego.